Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Often imitated, never duplicated, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A podcast for Medicare looky-loos. Never says issues when he really means problems. It's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I normally would like to share my joy at being in sunny, warm, beautiful Arizona with you today, but instead I'm in sunny, cold, still beautiful Arizona. It was 51 degrees when I woke up. I don't know what happened, but for the end of October, that is just an ungodly temperature to have and so i'm wearing a sweatshirt and i know i'm not the only one that felt the uh the miserable touch of winter because randy also is bundled up today as i can see through the screen he's uh he's at least as bundled up as i am although it's a little bit warmer where he is the closer you get down the mountain to scottsdale and phoenix the warmer it is and he's right on the uh on the fringe of cave creek so his altitude is much lower than mine his air temperature is a few degrees warmer than mine anyway i am here to help people feel comfortable about the transition from obamacare to medicare or from whatever kind of health insurance they have to Medicare. People that are approaching Medicare often are trepidatious. They're concerned about making mistakes. They're concerned about picking the right product. They're concerned about uh, any number of things that can be kind of scary because they hear all these TV commercials from people that I consider to be less than honest, promising the world, promising all kinds of freebies, and they know that it's too good to be true. So there are a lot of people out there that are very worried about their transition to Medicare. Well, there is a one simple solution to that fear, and that is to go to either Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and put in the search window, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022, and then you'll pop up with a book that will tell you everything you need to know about Medicare in a relatively short period of time. It's less than 100 pages long, but it has the nitty-gritty about Medicare from start to finish. And uh, I, I, there are other great books about Medicare. There's Medicare for Dummies. Now, if you buy Medicare for Dummies, you're going to spend a lot more money. You're going to find yourself with a doorstop. That thing is a reference work that is 400 and some pages long. Medicare for Dummies is an excellent book to use for reference, but it's not a good book for people to use that want to know what Medicare is all about. I strongly suggest buying Medicare for the Lazy Man. The 2022 edition has green numbers across the cover, and um, you can buy it in any number of formats. You can get a hardcover version. You can get a paperback version. You can get a Kindle version for your electronic book reader. 
And you can get the Audible version if you like hearing me talk about the book. Not talk about it, read the book. I'll read the book. Uh, I, I have a, a new client who uh, told, uh, actually, her, his uh, uh, female companion told me that he was listening to the book as uh, we exchanged emails. And I said, well, you better make him a uh, stiff drink because when he finishes that book, he's going to be powerful thirsty. But what happens when you read the book? You become a Medicare expert. You'll know more than almost anybody else about Medicare, and that's the way it should be. It's a government program, but the government isn't very good about telling you how the program works. And they leave it to people like me to do it. So I'm hoping that you get Medicare for the lazy man. And I'm hoping that Randy uh, is uh, doing well today. I mean, you and I are both bundled up. Uh, it's, it's like maybe we ought to pack up and head south to warmer weather. What do you think about that? Well, I don't know whether you can see it from where you're at right now, but I've got bundled up like you won't believe because I got out last night. I always have to take the pups out one last time. And one of the last times I took the pups out last night was, uh, oh, let's see, probably about one thirty, uh, And it was like, it was like Arizona freezing. Okay. I know uh, you know what that means. <laughs> yeah. It's, it means bundle up because it's really cold. I, I turned just from the, on the walk from my back door to the edge of the porch. I, I turned blue. I swear to God, Doug, I turned blue. Well, people that are afraid of the heat in Arizona, like we were here all summer for the first time in, in like forever. And uh, the the uh, people fixate on the highest temperature, but nobody explains that the highest temperature occurs for about maybe half an hour in the middle of the afternoon. It's not like it's that temperature all day long. And since there's very little humidity in the air, when the sun goes down, it's like, bang, it's the oh, yeah. The, coldness approaches especially in the winter time the coldness envelops one and one is then uh, uncomfortably cold all night long until the moment the sun comes up again well along those same thought lines doug you know you can go out well you know i'm not telling you anything but for the audience if you're living in arizona you can go out in the daytime and it's like four thousand and twelve degrees in the shade yeah and then that night, you can go out and go swimming in your pool if you're so fortunate to have one. And you can get out because the humidity is so low. And you can actually be shaking because you are so cold that the water evaporating off your body so quickly that it's essentially like being in a deep freeze. It really is. Even um, I remember when we went to Tucson, when I went to Tucson um, uh, in late August or early September of 1972, um, I met up with a bunch of guys and they put us up in a hotel. They had given out all the rooms, all the dorm rooms, and my wife is going to be joining me later. So I stayed in a hotel with a bunch of guys and we would go swimming every day. And if it was windy, we'd get out of that pool and start shivering. And that was right. pretty much the middle of summer. So uh, that was a an education for me. Prior stays in Arizona, I was younger and impervious to cold. But uh, as a, you know, 20-something college student, uh, all of a sudden I realized, hey, this is chilly. I better not, uh, <laughs> I better not expose I, myself to this anymore. I, I'm, what's the matter, guys? I'm turning blue. Is that bad? Yeah. <laughs> well, a couple of beers would always fix that right up. Hey, yeah, we've yeah. 
We've got Medicare to talk about today. You're going to keep me talking about Arizona all day, and that's just probably not productive well, for anybody. Let, let me just bring up one thing. I, I took a note from last podcast, the recording session, and I don't know whether you want to address this today or not, but it was such an interesting topic that I don't want to lose track of it. It doesn't have to be today. doesn't have to be the next podcast, but I don't want to lose track of this topic because it caught my attention. What is the topic? And the topic was the golden age of colonoscopy, where the sun don't shine, or does it? <laughs> well, I'm. Is it possible that you actually added a little bit to that? Uh, I I embellished that. There's. I took a little bit of you know what do they call that? Uh, a poetic license. Poetic license. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you right now, um, the colonoscopy, the golden age of colonoscopies, I, if, if I recall correctly, that article has to do with the fact that colonoscopies are a big profit margin, a profit item for medical practitioners. And uh, so uh, uh, companies that are investors uh, are uh, flocking to invest their money in colonoscopy specialists. And I, I think that's what it was. We're going to wind up reading that article at some point in the future. So okay. I'm hoping you remember. Okay. But- well, I've got that topic is not going to leave my notes. <laughs> you you can count on that. I love that topic and the 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 extra poetic license that I that I used for the you know the afterthought you know subtitle key text you know that kind of thing. I think it, I think we may find that that applies and it may not. I don't know. But I have I have read on the internet recently now keep in mind everybody i am not a doctor nor do i play one on television but i do a lot of reading and in, and in europe they're beginning to discover that uh, required colonoscopies are really not providing the benefit that they thought they would you know i've heard that too that they're not um, turning up as many precancerous uh, polyps and so that they're saying, well, maybe is it really worth continuing to do them or do they, doing them as frequently? And I'm thinking to myself, what if I'm the one guy that they, uh, you know, that had <laughs> one that they missed? So I yeah. don't like the idea of getting colon cancer. I know that Mary's family has a history of it, and she has celiac disease. So I'm thinking a lot of her ancestors died prematurely of colon cancer. And so I would not want that to befall anybody in my family. I think the big um, crunch comes when people are talking about whether the government should pay for them or not. And I'm a free market kind of guy. I don't think the government should be paying for people's health uh, treatment, um, much less their health insurance, although I can understand that the government may want to chip in on health insurance for poor people, so that at least they get treatment if they want to get treatment early and uh, they don't cost as much later on. But I don't like the idea of government buying these uh, medical services. I don't like the idea of the government paying insurance companies to cover people with Medicare Advantage plans. As you can tell, there's smoke starting to come out of my ears, and Randy can see it, but nobody you know, else can. There, those Normally, your headset keeps that in. But yeah. I, I see some smoke leaking out around the edges. So let's yeah. move on to a topic that Doug is not going to get all hot and bothered about. Yeah. Uh, according to according to the podcast notes, 
What's on the agenda for today is star ratings. Right. And this, unfortunately, has a lot to do with Medicare Advantage plans and Medicare oh, drug plans. So I Randy, hate Medicare Advantage plans. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the smoke start to billow out again? Oh, my God. How did I get on this subject? Well, I know that star ratings are um, used by the government to compare one company's plan versus another company's plan. And they have criteria and they assign these star ratings and they make a big deal about it. And agents are severely chastised if they don't share the star ratings of one Medicare Advantage plan or one prescription drug plan uh, with the uh, buyers of those plans. And the star ratings are then supposed to let the person know that they've bought a plan that's either pretty good really good or not so good. And um, the uh, the thing that happened uh, early on was uh, I fell in love with one Medicare Advantage plan that is that offers the same freedom of choice as Medicare uh, supplement plans do, and that is the Medicare MSA, the Medicare Medical Savings Account. You can go to any doctor you want to, and the uh, plan will pay the uh, Medicare-approved cost for any procedure that a doctor performs for you or on you. But it has a very low star rating. It has a two-star rating. So I'm going to get back to that in a minute. I'll tell you how this came to my attention more recently. We have a, a listener named Steve, and uh, Steve occasionally writes us. And when Randy says, hey, write Doug, Steve is quick to grab his his pen and dash off a uh, a message with a question or whatever. And so Steve wrote uh, recently, he said, my wife is looking at drug plans. She put the drugs she was taking into the Medicare site. Now, I've done that as a demonstration during a podcast episode, and I want to do it again since we're in AEP. I'm going to do that in a couple of episodes to tell people how they can find the best drug plan for them. And it's all a function of what drugs they take and what drug stores they want to use. And that would include a mail order service if they want to use mail order. I do because I'm lazy. Anyway, he said, my wife is looking at drug plans. She put the drug she was taking into the Medicare site. And it turns out that one plan is less expensive than the one she has now. When she went on Medicare, I sold her the plan that was the least expensive for her based on the drugs she takes and the drugstore she likes to go to. And I came up with an Aetna plan called the Silver Script Smart RX. That plan this year is morphing to the Silver Script Smart Saver, and they're dropping the price on it. So <clears throat> the projection for Mrs. Steve for next year was that her silver script smart saver plan was actually going to cost $151 for her drugs plus the uh, the premium on the plan that total all year long 12 months $151 doesn't sound that bad to me <clears throat> the one she found that was less less expensive was the wellcare value script plan and i think that's probably because whatever drugs mrs steve takes um, they have a fairly large copay every time you fill a prescription, but that happens to be larger at the drugstores that SilverScript uses than at the drugstores that WellCare has in their network. So the WellCare ValueScript 
plan was going to cost for 12 months is projected that it will cost her $133 out of her pocket rather than $151. So Steve was going, well, tell Doug, you want to switch to the well care plan. And, uh, well, he actually, Steve did not know at the time that this conversation was occurring in the Steve household. He didn't know that I also sell well care plans. So what Steve said to me was the well care plan has less stars. And my wife thinks that means they will screw her over and start charging more for drugs during the year. Since there's an $18 yearly difference, she wants to go with the more expensive plan because she trusts them. Steve says, I said, I don't know how they get the stars. That won't change the cost of the plan or the drugs during the year. Um, oh, he said, I don't know uh, how they get the stars, that they won't change the cost of the drugs during the year. She points out that for our, our high deductible Medicare supplement, they changed the rates twice last year, once for a yearly increase and another because I got older. What Steve doesn't mention is that those changes were so tiny that he hasn't even noticed that he's paying like a dollar and a half more per month for his Medicare supplement plan. So I said, I would ask the expert. That's, that's me. Apparently I know that you represent silver script, but I trust you will give an honest appraisal. See, he didn't know that I also represent the competing plan. So my answer to Steve was Steve, I want to help you keep the peace. So I'm trying to think of a way to give Carol a win. However, I just can't think of a way to do that. First of all, in my opinion, the star rating system is not a reliable indicator of quality and integrity. Many of the elements they use to develop a score for a particular product are derived from surveys, and they bug non-responders with telephone calls. So I can understand why many of the responses are negative. My friends and neighbors all seem to dislike their TV and telephone providers, so I asked if they might provide negative reviews, but they still have reliable service. Uh, so if asked, they might provide negative reviews. Yes, they all hate their their TV providers, but uh, they they still uh, they don't feel compelled to change. Uh, so the rating system that was devised for Medicare Advantage plans uh, is the one that's being used for drug plans. Obviously, the criteria are different. The prescription drug plans were added later. Many of the criteria, like how quickly they can get an appointment with a doctor, just don't apply to measuring the quality of a prescription drug plan. As luck would have it, I represent WellCare as well as SilverScript. So I want Carol to pick the plan that she feels most comfortable with. To that end, she can just do nothing and retain her current SilverScript plan through the next year, or she can initial and sign the attached WellCare application pages in the yellow highlighted areas, and I will enroll her in the less expensive plan starting January 1st. One point I will grant her, the drug plans are very closely related to the Medicare Advantage plans, which can make big changes in mid-year, so her concern is justified. However, I just haven't seen it happen before, uh, so I doubt that it would uh, uh, really happen to her, and I know that that drug plan is not... Uh, planning to uh, screw her over. Let me know what Carol would like to do. So then Steve said, hi, thanks for getting back to me. I told her we need to do a sensitivity analysis, which means to add some of the drugs that she is not using, but could possibly use and see what that does to the cost. 
And then he changed the subject. He said, last Friday, I went to a meeting at my doctor's office for information because now they will be accepting Medicare with an emphasis on Medicare Advantage. You would have been proud of me. I said to the lady presenting the Medicare Advantage, I said, uh, Medicare Advantage is actually Part C. Is this correct? And she said, yes. I said, it is my understanding that the C stands for crap because that is what it is. She didn't know how to respond to this. <laughs> Randy's going nuts over there. It's a good thing the volume's off. He'd be screaming and clapping and going, yelling, go, Steve. She said, yes. Yeah, um, let's see. It's my understanding that uh, the Part C stands for crap. That's because that's what it is. She didn't know how to respond to that. I went there to get one question answered, and that was, will my doctor accept Part B assignment or continue to have me pay up front so they can charge 15% more. This lady who claimed to be an expert on everything Medicare had to call in one of the doctors that was there to answer the question. The answer is yes, they will be accepting part B like they should. So Steve was pretty happy about that. And I said, Steve, that's good for you. Of course, when Randy hears about your question, his head is going to swell up, but we are both proud of you. <laughs> I know, and more thumbs up from Randy here. I know this doctor's accounting practices have been frustrating you for some time, so congratulations on the improvement. So that's a little day brightener, but it brought the question of the star ratings to the fore, and especially the fact that my favorite Medicare Advantage plan, the one that I would sell with very little hesitation, yeah. uh, the fact that they have a two-star rating is... Um, Confusing to me because I have no reason to know why that plan would uh, deserve only two stars. <clears throat> so I asked the uh, sales director of the Medicare MSA plan. That's the Lasso Healthcare Medicare MSA plan. I asked her to tell me why they only have two stars because I want to be able to explain it to potential customers. And here is her answer. Ultimately, when it comes to Medicare star ratings, the Medicare savings account just doesn't fit the pretty mold that CMS, that's remember, that's the uh, agency that controls Medicare and Medicaid, and they just don't know how to properly spell their acronym. It should be CMMS. Anyway, that agency has uh, Medicare Advantage plans. They've developed criteria, but those criteria don't fit the MSA very well. The below section was pulled directly from the CMS website, and I've highlighted areas that we as an MSA have no control over like other carriers. So you'd think I could uh, read the highlights, but after I photocopied it a couple of times, the highlights went away. So I'm going to tell you uh, what the survey is all about according to the CMS. The Medicare Advantage and predict, uh, Prescription Drug Plan Survey is administered annually to a large sample of Medicare Advantage and prescription drug plan beneficiaries using a mixed-mode data collection protocol that includes two survey mailings and telephone follow-up of non-respondents to the mailed questionnaire. See, that would irritate me. If they called me, if I decide I'm not going to answer the questionnaire, that's one thing. To have them call and bug me, that's going to guarantee that they get a negative answer. Questions in the survey ask about the ease of getting needed care and seeing specialists, getting appointments and care quickly, doctors who communicate well. See, a lot of these don't apply to 
prescription medication. Uh, coordination of members' health care services. Health and or drug plan, uh, uh, let's say health and or drug plan provides information or help when members need it. Ease of getting prescriptions filled, that would apply to a drug plan. Rating of health and or drug plan and rating of health care quality, annual flu vaccine and pneumonia vaccine. So some of that stuff is not going to apply to a Medicare Advantage plan because most Medicare Advantage plans force you to use the list of doctors and hospitals that they provide, whereas the Medicare MSA allows you to go to any doctor you want to. So if you're getting lousy service from the doctor you've chosen, you're free to go to any other doctor you want to. So some of these questions are less um, valuable, less useful. So the uh, sales manager went on to say, we have no network. So our ability to work with providers to better the member's experience on multiple fronts is non-existent. Also, we don't have prescription drug coverage. So we cannot help with getting prescriptions filled. Vaccinations are the member's responsibility, and they haven't met the deductible, if they haven't met the deductible on a uh, Medicare savings account plan. So receiving vaccinations each year is an extra cost that many aren't used to. We are diligently working to bring up the categories that we can, but I will say historically, MSA plans have overall received lower star ratings than other Medicare Advantage plans. That's just how it is. I also had an agent share this article with me. While it doesn't mention MSA specifically, it includes some interesting information regarding star ratings overall, specifically these two paragraphs. The Health Insurance Trade Association, AHIP, attributed the industry-wide decline to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, as well as to CMS's revised rating calculation. CMS has made some changes, such as doubling the weight that certain scores have in the STAR ratings. CMS also evaluates Medicare Advantage plans using its pre-pandemic standards, The agency has relaxed how it calculates Medicare Advantage star ratings for 2021 and 2022 as part of its COVID-19 relief, resulting in a record number of insurers winning high scores and an increase in corresponding uh, federal spending on bonuses. And that's because a five-star rating allows a Medicare Advantage plan to get super-duper special treatment from the federal government including additional compensation for patients that are sicker than usual that may or may not exist anywhere. We've uh, studied that in the in past episodes of this podcast. And also, people who have a Medicare Advantage plan are able to switch to a five-star plan in their area anytime they want to. So these five-star plans get a lot of treatment, and uh, companies really bust their buns. But the criteria that the questions in the in the um, survey uh, apply to uh, Medicare Advantage plans and doctors and hospitals. They don't apply to uh, weird plans that don't fit the mold, like the Medicare MSA plan. And uh, it's harder for drug plans to qualify as well. So anyway, I'd see by the old clock on the wall that I've probably yacked about this long enough, Randy. Probably uh, time for us to uh, close out the episode. The crickets have chirped. That's what I was afraid I was going to hear. But I do want to make one small comment. 
Now, this is this is just Randy talking, but I wish now maybe it's not the case, but I wish that I'd never run into another drug plan called silver sneakers. <laughs> I don't like I don't like people implying that I'm old. Okay, well, you got to remember, Silver Sneakers is not a drug plan. Silver Sneakers is a um, go to the gym and work out plan. Oh, and that's is that part of a Medicare disadvantage plan? Typically, that's where you're going to find a Silver Sneakers uh, benefit. Okay, well, then I don't, I won't have a problem with that because I will never encounter one of those. No, in fact, if you had, there is one company that sells uh, Medicare Advantage and Medicare supplements, and they give away a Silver Sneakers uh, subscription with their Medicare supplement plan. The problem is their Medicare supplement plan is too expensive. And why would Ah, that be? Because they're giving away free stuff and they don't want to lose their bets on it. That's right. And they call it Silver Sneakers just because it's pricey. It is uh, silver. It's not platinum. It's not gold, but it is made out of silver. I, I would I would be more attracted to something called, uh, you know, like boots to the bar or something, you know, I don't know, something like that as, as opposed to sneakers. Yeah, well, you know, they, they don't want you to be wearing boots to, to the gym. I guess they, <laughs> that's not really, you know, the, the gym experience is not enhanced by wearing boots. That That's true. That's true. Well, you know something? As you said, Doug, we need to sign her off today. We have uh, spent our money. We have overstayed our welcome somewhat. And the budget just doesn't allow for us to buy any more bonus time. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. You could have been a multitude of different places listening to or watching a multitude of different things, and you weren't. You were here with Doug and I with Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. But before I let you go, don't forget, Randy always asks for you to send email to dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Visit the website. We're making some changes to it. I think they're going to be something you'll like. www.medicareforthelazyman.com. And Doug, I think, has already mentioned all the different ways you can get a hold of the book. And by the way, I just thought of something, Doug. You know, Halloween is coming up. Why don't you give away copies of Doug's book as Halloween treats. You know, the little kids can come bang on the door and give them a book and say, hey, hand it off to your grandparents. Well, I would do that, except there's, isn't there a law against frightening small children? <laughs> Maybe. If, Maybe when, they so. see that, when they see that Medicare is headed their way, they might not be happy about learning that. Maybe so. Well, anyway, it was an idea, and we've got a plenty of other ideas coming keep, into keep the your holidays. Thinking, keep your thinking cap on, though. I like the uh, yeah. uh, free flow of ideas. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying the best I can today. I haven't had enough coffee, but I'm, I'm going to see if I can remedy that before the next recording session. So anyway, you have just listened to Doug Jones, and I think you've spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones originally from Oklahoma, now residing up in the high-altitude mountains behind Cave Creek in his Fortress of Solitude. Bye-bye. 